content warning, abortion. The first portion of this episode consists of Reverend Michelle and Father Andrew discussing the abortion situation and debate as it exists at the time of recording in the United States. Both are firmly pro-choice and approach the issue with a great deal of compassion for women who find themselves in a position where they are considering an abortion or seeking an abortion. But we understand that this discussion might be difficult for some people. They do not directly mention the movie during this discussion, so if you wish to skip to 16 minutes and 23 seconds, you should be able to follow along fairly easily. Or if you need to skip this episode entirely, we understand. Thank you very much. A pastor and a priest walk into a movie theater. Hi, I'm Father Andrew Miller. And I'm Reverend Michelle Byerly. And this is A Pastor and a Priest Walk Into a Movie Theater, a podcast about faith, life, and the silver screen. Today we'll be discussing the 1999 drama film The Cider House Rules. We encourage you to watch the movie first, but for those of you who not have not, a brief synopsis is that it is set in the 1940s 40s. and um, Maine, and it's about this home that is run by this doctor who performs medical procedures but it's also about quite a bit more in the process about growing up life ethics so we will get into all of that um i was the one who picked this movie because part of the conversation that it does talk about is abortion it is not the only part of the conversation but um with everything that is going on right now in our Supreme Court and the cases that it's hearing, um, I felt like it was a timely discussion to have um, and really bring some rich opportunity to dig into faith, ethics, just some of the practical things. So I suppose we should tackle the um, uh, we should tackle the, the abortion issue first. Um, mm -hmm. Now, uh, I'm curious, how do you want to tackle the abortion issue? Because it is an issue I feel that one needs to tread lightly mm -hmm. with. Yeah, so with that, I, I will give our viewers, um, I, the statistics are that a, a, a significant percentage of women in the United States have had an abortion at some point. And so, um, you're right that we definitely want to start by acknowledging that difficulty and acknowledging that it's a hard topic for anybody because it is one of those that is so emotionally charged and you know you 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 don't just go and have an abortion at the best moment of your life right <laughs> you know it, it, it's it's always in the midst of of challenges and and conversation and so um, I want to acknowledge that first, and I want to acknowledge the way that sometimes the conversation has been had is done in a way that adds to that pain. And so I just want to start by acknowledging that for our listeners and to, if that has impacted you, um, know that we hear that pain, know that we acknowledge that and um, that you are valued no matter where you are in, in this conversation. What are your thoughts on the ethics of abortion? So um, it would not be my first option in most cases. However, I very much understand um, 
the necessity to have it available for for those i mean there are just so many circumstances that are beyond anyone's control or understanding to say you know to just put this blanket statement we can't do it you know um and i and i think that this movie kind of explores some of those which is i think why it make, it's a good conversation i as I said, anyone who is having an abortion, it's a tough conversation. And so if I were a pastor who was having that conversation with someone, I would sit down with them and say, you know, where, where, where are you at with this? What's your understanding? You know, what are the options? I, I, my ethic very much is that the person, it, it's ultimately between the, the woman and her doctor, um, I, you know, if, if she's married, I definitely think there's a place to have the conversation with the spouse, but it's really not his decision, ultimately. Um, I know that, and, and, and part of this is I'm just speaking a little bit as I'm, I'm still working through this myself in some ways, because it is such a complicated topic. Um, you know, I definitely think that making it safe and available is an aspect of caring for women. Well, it, it seems to me that uh, uh, part of what makes it difficult to talk about as pastors, even in the mainline liberal tradition, is because, um, and this is especially true in the fundamentalist tradition of our faith and in the Roman Catholic Church in particular, uh, um, that uh, uh, opposition to abortion on ethical grounds um, and perhaps on uh, masculinist, masculinist grounds uh, is very, very common in church. I, I want to tread lightly because I'm a cisgendered man. And so my opinions on the matter are not as, <laughs> as important, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, it, and what's interesting is the way that the conversation has been set up has, has kind of set it up as you have to do either this or that, and there's not really a lot of nuance in between. You know, you can either be pro-life or you can be pro-choice, and there's not really much gray in between, whereas I would argue that making sure that a child who is born is loved and able to be cared for is a pro-life position, making sure that the woman who is receiving these medical services is honored, respected, handled with care, is a pro-life perspective. I suppose that if I believed that the fetus was indeed a person, um, then uh, I would see it pretty black and white as well that if, if it is a person, then it must be protected legally um, and its destruction must be relegated to, 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 to those uh, circumstances which are most extreme. Uh, same thing that we would say for any other person. Um, I'm not, however, convinced that the fetus is a person, uh, certainly not at early stages of, of pregnancy. Um, uh, it's a collection of cells. And one of the arguments that I often hear is the argument from potentiality, that the potentiality for personhood makes it a person. And I would say that's crap. 
uh, the potentiality for something does not make it an actuality uh, until that which actualizes it occurs. Um, by that reasoning, the potential for my spouse and I to have sex is uh, uh, constitutes the existence of a potential person and deciding not to have sex is murder. And that's crap. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the next thing I would say is, is, is I, I think that the so-called pro-life movement is laser-focused laser on abortion. Now, I don't think this is true of all of them. Uh, there are a number of folks who advocate for what they, can, they, we, they would call a consistent life ethic, which opposition to abortion, opposition to capital punishment, opposition to war, uh, support for economic justice. Um, there are a lot of folks that I know, especially in, in the Roman Catholic Church, who, who do that. Uh, they are a minority in the pro-life movement, um, but I certainly can appreciate their position a lot more than I can appreciate most of the so-called pro-life movement. In fact, I would accuse the pro-life movement of not being pro-life at all, but being anti-woman. And then the final thing that I'll say before I shut up, because I'm talking too much, uh, is um, the, the Bible is very, very, um, how shall I say, unclear on the matter? Well, no, actually, I take it back. It's quite clear. It's quite clear that the fetus is not a person. The Bible very openly says that the fetus is not a person. Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 through 23. When people who are fighting injure a pregnant woman, so there is a miscarriage, yet no further harm follows. The one responsible shall be fined. Uh, shall be fined what the woman's husband demands. Okay, that's a little problematic, but mm -hmm. shall be fined what the woman's husband demands, paying as much as the judge determines. If any harm follows, then you shall give life for life. Now, uh, for all the problematic aspects of that passage, it is clear that the woman's life is valued far, far more than the fetus's life. And even in, in medical ethics today, if the doctor has to make a choice between the two, the maternal health is always given priority. The other issue that I think gets more complicated is the fact that, you know, in, in, in the Bible times, all they really had was, you know, that you might have signs, you might have development, you might have what they called quickening, which is when they started feeling the, the, a fetus move I, and even isn't it funny how we stumble over this terminology you know um and whereas today we add a complicated layer when you can when when you have things like ultrasound that can detect a pregnancy much more much earlier much more visibly and 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 there are states that require that a woman who's chooses an abortion have an ultrasound and and see that and and um you know and 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 so it's 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 one of those areas where science i think has has outpaced our ethics if that uh, makes sense possibly i also think that we really can't find a tremendous deal of help from science in determining whether or not the fetus is a person that's a philosophical question. It is, science, and, I, and I was going to say that earlier. Yeah, it is we're stuck in this philosophical place of what is personhood? What makes a, a living person alive? You know, um, 
in, in some sense, there there's an argument that's made that a fetus is ultimately in the same status as a parasite because they can't live outside of themselves. You know, they 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 depend on the nutrition from the mother. Um, you know, so it is a really gray philosophical area. Well, uh, what is not a gray philosophical area is that the woman is most definitely a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, or rather, it shouldn't be a gray philosophical area, but I think in, in the minds of some people, even today, it is a little bit grayer than it should be, because I, mm-hmm. I think that the personhood of women is controversial, though it shouldn't be. Yeah. I, 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 because I think the autonomy of the woman over, uh, over her own body is a key aspect of, of what makes a woman a person, or rather bodily autonomy is a key aspect of one's personal life. If I do not have bodily autonomy, then in a very real sense, I am a slave. And um, what I would say is, is that the, the only way to be perfectly consistent with, uh, and, and there really are legal cases out there along, along these lines. The only way to be consistent with protecting um, fetoi um, is to open up the potentiality of liability for uh, women who have miscarriages. And indeed there are cases out there where women have been punished or potentially held liable for miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Um, Which makes me very sick. Yes. And here's why it makes me sick. I very, very easily could have naturally been a miscarriage with, with, with my genetics. I very easily could have. And, and, and that, so, and that gets into this place of, uh, this is not just a deep philosophical conversation. It hits very personally for people. Um, and that's kind of why I said what I did at the beginning. Um, and, and I think that that is, an important piece of this conversation is that this is not just this heady theological philosophical thing this is a a, a reality Amen. you know and 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 so yes where where women are you know interrogated and charged for possibly causing a miscarriage there are so many freaking reasons that there can be a miscarriage that have nothing to do with anything that the woman has done. And to go through a miscarriage itself is already a painful enough experience. Do we treat women as loaded guns? You know, the, 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 the NRA um, safety rule that you always treat a gun as if it's loaded, even if you know it's not. Mm. Is that where we're going with this? That, that if, if, if we are to hold women liable to constantly care for themselves so that they can constantly care for a possible fetus that may or may not be there. The only way we would know is if the woman wasn't sexually active, then the, 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 the implication there is that we are to treat women like loaded guns and we are to keep them constantly at home, constantly safe, in essence, constantly barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Yeah. And that is the implication of pro-life ideology. Well, and I mean, it, it It seems to me that it's pretty standard that if a woman goes in for medical care, one of the things they often ask is the possibility of her being pregnant. Now, some of that is for good medical reasons so that they, if she is, that they can 
appropriately medicate and and treat and be aware of that but then yeah it's this like you say what it does is it puts women it 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 kind of bubble wraps them for themselves you know and 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 part of the argument from some of the anti-abortion is that it does harm to the women in in essence there's already harm there's already a cost for whatever has led to the situation that this woman is in the position that she's in. And one of the things that I also really appreciated about this movie is the character of the doctor and how, um, you know, he does this thing and he does it from this place of he understands the bigger ethics of it, but it's not without cost for him. You can tell that it's still has an impact on him what has an impact on him i think um being in contact with the brokenness of the world being in contact with seeing the pain that these women are experiencing um performing abortions not and, and again it's not that i'm saying that that's wrong i'm just saying that day in and day out, I think there's something that it still has a cost for him. I know that there are some feminists who might critique the film from that perspective, mm-hmm. that um, uh, the film, I think, is pro-choice, mm-hmm. um, albeit from a male gaze, and I think we can talk about that in a minute. But it's pro-choice, but it also dem- it also shows abortion as traumatic. It, it mm-hmm. it's it's traumatic on the doctor in the sense that it leads him to abuse ether. It's mm-hmm. traumatic on the uh, um, on on Candy's character and on her boyfriend, the the the, the bomber pilot. Mm-hmm. And um uh and and one wonders, well, I, and maybe this is from a masculinist perspective on my part, but one wonders why it is traumatic. Uh, Is it because a life is being terminated? Hmm. And if that's the case, then does that open ethical questions about whether or not we should have abortions? But the other thing that I I might say is, is that, well, there are some feminist authors I've read who actually say that the degree to which abortion is traumatic is overblown in in literature that in fact it's actually a re- very safe procedure mm-hmm. um and and I, that is not to that is not to to say that that i mean it isn't traumatic for some women and men but mm-hmm. uh or, or that that it's invalid that it would be uh for those for whom it is but is it necessarily invalid that perhaps for some women who have abortions it isn't traumatic for them this is and, okay and i would say that's a absolutely a fair interpretation as well i think um again i i, I reiterate that sometimes it's how we read into it and add to mm. the layers of trauma you know um and that's what concerns me so much about some of the legislation that comes up where you know it just adds to the pain of the circumstances you know if if it's very difficult for a woman to access that even 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 for a child that was absolutely wanted 
and if something medically happens and she would still need a, a dnc a dilation and keratage you know um it, that even still that medic on the on the billing and the coding it shows up that way you know and and if if insurance companies could just like say that's not allowed at all that would be an issue you know i think that transitioning into other quite poignant aspects of the film yeah um there what i the way i'd like to do that is to to to, to talk a little bit about marx in the following way. Um, we are afraid of talking about reproduction as what it is. Now, be, because we, we think about talking about it mechanically and talking about it economically, cheapens it in some sense, it doesn't. Having children is, is still a beautiful, spiritual and wonderful thing, but it is nevertheless about control over the means of production and reproduction. Mm -hmm. and and the and, and i think this this speaks to other aspects of the film and the the very name of the film cider house rules mm -hmm. right who owns the means of production who sets the rules and and to me the issue of abortion is largely about who controls the means of reproduction because w women take on the role of a kind of proletarian in mm -hmm. that they work the means of reproduction labor mm -hmm. they go into labor do they own those means of production? Are they theirs? Are mm -hmm. they their own bodies? And Up until very recently, no. No. Because women, I mean, for, for one, for the longest time, even up to the 90s, there were some states who still had statutes on their book that you, you there wasn't such a concept as marital rape. Mm -hmm. that, that wanted or not, <laughs> women had to have sex with their husbands and and that's that's a piece um you know in the in the 60s and 70s when birth control was first coming out um it had to be married couples and it often had to be approved by the spouse even today there are some doctors who refuse a woman who is not of a certain age who's had so many kids with permission from her spouse to have her tubes tied or, or such, you know, that's, that's even still an issue today. The woman as an uncontrovertible um, uh, person with bodily autonomy should have the right to control her own means of production and reproduction. Mm -hmm. That is basic liberation theology. Mm -hmm. And, that's, sorry, <laughs> and then it, no. it, it, it also strikes me on the other side, and we need to talk about this too. There have also been stories about women in um, some of the immigrant detention centers and places like that that have been sterilized forcibly, yes. you know, or un, or if not forcibly, at least unknowingly, without informed consent. In, in you the know, so that has happened even today. In the 1970s, there was a movement away from calling, pro, uh, uh, or was it the, I'm not sure, but there was a movement away from speaking of uh, 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 the pro-choice movement as being pro-choice, reproductive choice, um, because in the minds of some, it made it about abortion itself, right, the choice to have an abortion, whereas it's not just about 
abortion. It's about abortion or carrying the child to term. And so in response, a number of feminists chose the term instead of being pro-choice, pro-reproductive justice. And the attempt was to address that very issue, the fact that women not only uh, have the right to choose to terminate preg unwanted pregnancies, but to not be sterilized, <laughs> to have wanted pregnancies. Right. So, and, and, and again, it's really interesting to me, as you've said, this movie is about so much more than just that issue of abortion, but it's funny how that's kind of what's easy to zero in on. Um, I would also say that it's about coming of age and, and finding one's vocation and identity. Yeah, and I think that's actually uh, abortion is a MacGuffin in the film. It's a it it, it really it, we zero in on it. I think, and I, and the, this is the reason why we chose the why you chose the film. I, I think. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Partly, yeah. I I wanted to speak about that in light of the Texas legislation and and some of those pieces. Dobbs versus Jackson, and yeah, the yeah. fact that we very well may be losing. Roe versus Wade very shortly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and yet um, the, the film is not about abortion. The film uses the issue of abortion, I think, to make a point about autonomy and to make a point about, uh, right, coming of age, meaning coming into one's own, mm -hmm. coming into the ability to make choices and mm -hmm. make moral choices. Um, the doctor tries to do that to Wilbur. Mm -hmm to some extent, right? He, he um, falsely t says that he has a heart condition. He, he keeps trying to push him into this place of, you're a doctor, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. Ultimate. Yeah, Dr. Um, uh, uh, Larch, uh, the character, Michael Kine's character, um, is uh, a very, very interesting, and I, I think not by any means a moral hero, um, uh, in the sense that he said that no one, outside of the film, no one would choose Homer's past path for him. Uh, uh, Homer, Homer Wells, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I called no him one, Wilbur, right? It's Homer, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. but, but no, Dr. Larch said that no one will choose Homer Wells' path for him, and yet he spends the entire movie choosing Homer Wells' path for him. To his credit, he does let Homer go, but he's manipulative about it. He's mm -hmm. con He sends him his doctor back. He's constantly wanting Homer to come back so that Homer can become a doctor, um, because that's what, that's what he, the father, wants of his son. They, they have a father-son relationship, though they are not father and son. And, and Homer resists the idea of becoming a doctor. And it, it strikes me as odd that he comes back to it by choice, that it might have been more interesting had he chosen to do something else at the end. Well, and, it's, and I think um, the way that the movie sets that up is that the situation with... Um, it's terrible that I cannot remember her name. Candy? Not Candy, the the young woman who's raped by her father. Oh. And and um and Homer says, you know, I can help you with this. And and that is kind of the 
the thing for Homer to say, okay, I guess this is what I can bring to this. This is my skill and training. Yeah, in that in that confrontation. Um, so when Arthur Rose is uh, confronting, or when Homer is confronting Arthur Rose, Arthur Rose asks him the, the 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 question that frames the film, and that is, "This isn't your business. Do you even know what your business is? Do you know what business you're in? What is your business? That sort of thing." And it's at that moment that Homer basically says, "I'm a doctor." I'm in the doctor's business is what, what how he puts it. And, and, and I think that this relates to another uh, uh, ethical issue that the, the film takes a stand on and that is being of some use. And I, I think the way Dr. Larch uh, understands being of some use is that you know, those who have the ability to do something about something have the responsibility to do something about something. And that I think is, 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 is how the abortion issue in the film uh, um, performs, right? That's, that's, that's what the abortion issue is really, that's the point that it's making, that those who, who have the ability to do something to address a moral evil have the responsibility to do something to address a moral evil. And it is this um, realization that I think brings Homer back to his senses, uh, if you want to put it that way, and makes him decide to become a doctor again instead of uh, 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 instead of uh, uh, an apple picker. And I also think it's interesting that it, it, it is this, although the film pays lip service to the idea of reproductive choice, it is this issue in which the, the issue of abortion, the, the issue of, of, of not so much choice as um, the use of skill and the being of the use of skill to be of some use in which the abortion issue really, really um, uh, performs. And it's from a very, very male gaze, right? Um, the film does not pass the Bechdel test. It didn't even come close to passing the Bechdel test. And um, while it is pro-choice, good for it, um, it is uh, uh, almost all of the moral heroes with the possible exception of the nurses are men. And... There are no moral heroes in this movie, I think. Okay. I, and I would and I would say that maybe maybe the nurses, but I think that's kind of the point of the movie is that there there are no moral heroes in this. Okay. You know, I, I think that part of it is no one's hands are really clean. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's something that we as a culture, as a society have to talk about and, and deal with together. So. Yeah, and I think that uh, moral hero is the wrong word, but the the one who acts, yeah. I, I think is is the 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 one who who makes themselves useful and the one who 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 makes the choice in spite of all of in the face of and in spite of all of the moral ambiguity of the situation. Because I think you're right, um, Doctor Larch. Uh, the fact that he performs abortions in the story does weigh on him, makes him a drug addict. In fact. Um, and yet what leads him to do it is that he, he realizes that he has to make a choice and. Yeah. He, it's either he does them or someone else will do them and there, it does more harm, mm -hmm. you know, and thinking from a doctor's perspective, the first rule do no harm, you know? And so for him, it's about reducing harm. Yeah. The other thing 
that's so interesting is is um, this principle of being of some use. I hold that intention because it's with the principle of Sabbath that we don't we don't live to work. We, we work to live. We live to enjoy our life. That God is God gives us life as a gift. And so whether or not we can be of use is says absolutely nothing about our worth in the eyes of God. Right? Yeah. And I, and I, I don't know if this is directly relevant, but I, I loved the part where he's being taught how to pick apples mm-hmm. and there's, you know, I, I never knew this and I don't know if this is entirely true. I'm going to take it at its face value. The, the fact that on the, tr- on the apple tree, on the limb, there's, there's the apple, but then there's already next year's bud hmm. and you can't take both or you'll be taking too much. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll take next year's fruit. <laughs> and so I, I found that really interesting. And, and with the concept of Sabbath, right, that you're right, that it's not just about what we can produce. It's not about um, doing, doing, doing all the time. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay to let be, to rest, to um, simply treasure who we are created to be. Yes. And I think the film takes on a very existentialist posture in that um, it, it is more about coming of age in the sense of, of learning how to be a moral, not hero, but person in that it, it's about learning how to make a choice to be of some use in spite of the ambiguity of, and the implications of, of that choice for good and for worse. So what do you think of the character of Arthur Rose? Oh boy, that's another gray area, right? Because I I really, it's like I want to like him because I think he, generally speaking, treats um, Homer with a great deal of respect and he, he teaches him the business without a lot of judgment about it. When we find out that he has raped his daughter and he doesn't even really understand the concept of that, you know, I mean, it's really like he doesn't doesn't process that that is a harm. Right. And and I have a really hard time with that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that that to me, that kind of overrides all of the the good in him. And but again, it's kind of what I said earlier, where there's no one no one really has clean hands in this you know um we i i think i i would i would be interested to know more about him he seems like a really fascinating character because we see some glimpses of that when he is addressing the man who threw a cigarette into the batch of cider and 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 you you kind of get the sense that maybe he's been there himself at one point and and then again with with everything that happens I want to take him at his word, but I'm not sure I do when he says that he was just trying to say goodbye to, to Rose, Rose, um, when he ends up being killed. Um, and, and he does ultimately do the, the right thing by saying, you know, you tell them that I did this so that she can be free. And caused yeah. himself a tremendous amount of pain in the, the, cause, cause he moved the knife around himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to make it look like he stabbed himself, because mm-hmm. you can tell 
if by looking at a wound if it's self-inflicted or not so he did right. self-inflict it in order to well it was already inflicted by by rose but he did yeah. add to it for himself our indiegogo crowdfunding campaign new year new faith new media continues and we are doing very well as of monday february 7th we were 70% funded with $350 and 24 days to go. Our goal is to get our own website where we can have a digital home base independent of Facebook and other social media platforms. We'll have the archives of all our episodes, discussion forums, ways to sign up for mailing lists, and all sorts of other cool stuff. At this point, it also looks very possible to push past our modest $500 goal and possibly hit one of our stretch goals. At $700, for instance, we'll be able to afford to give our web developer a $50 bonus, as well as get NFNM a G Suite Pro membership for a year so that we can improve our internal and external communication as well as our data infrastructure. If you have not contributed yet, we urge you to do so however you can, either with money or by sharing your experience with New Faith New Media in Meetspace or on social media. The link for the campaign is bit.ly slash nfnmindie, and it will also be in the show notes. I, I, I think his if he's not redeemed in that moment, he comes very damn close yeah. to his redemption at that moment. It doesn't yeah. take away from, from what he did and from the fact that he tried to skirt responsibility for it. Yeah. There's also, I feel, he frames the movie in, in the following way, mm-hmm. in that... Um, he keeps asking that question over and over again. What business are you in? What business are you in? This is none of your business, right? Whose and, business is this conversation? Right. And ultimately, I think Homer's coming of age is made complete when Homer finally says, I'm making this my business. Ah, on the other hand, does he put it that way? He doesn't say, I'm making this my business. He says, I can help. He offers to make it his business, mm-hmm. but it's it's the choice of not um, walking by on the other side. Like I the, was the, just gonna say, Levi the story of the Good Samaritan. Yes, you know, it's it's the it's the Samaritan who stops and and says, "Yeah, we're gonna deal with this person who is bloody and hurting on the side of the road and naked." You know, with no no, the reason that the story makes the person naked is. There's no sense of what class he belongs to. You cannot tell a person without their clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, so are we willing to help any human being? Yes. I am in the business of caring for others <laughs> is ultimately, I think, the choice that Dr. Larch makes. And that's his description, I think, of himself at the uh, beginning, the caretaker of many, the father of none, I think is what he says. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I when when Homer answers the question i'm in the doctor business and he puts it that way he doesn't say i am a doctor he says i'm in the doctor business in other words i'm in the business of caring for other people 
and I can help you if you let me. The other ethical quandary I think that is raised is when Dr. Larch chooses to falsify Homer's education. Mm. You know, I mean, because yes, he has trained in an apprenticeship under Dr. Larch for many, many years, basically since he's old enough to have done so. Um, but, you know, he's always on about other people who have done harm. <laughs> you know, so, so it, it's kind of interesting to me that decision to do that. And, and I, I, I get that for him, it's a calculation of not, of, of wanting someone to succeed him that he trusts in that position versus someone that the board tries to bring in that he manipulates them from bringing in. <laughs> That film, that part of the film bothers the hell out of me because, because at some point someone's going to catch them. Uh, Homer cannot carry on indefinitely with fake medical credentials. He cannot. Someone's going to catch them. Someone's going to catch them. And yet the film plays it as if, no, they're not. You know, it's the way Homer comes back and takes his rightful place. There, there really isn't much to the deception in the film about creating Homer's educational background, which doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, and yet it is a tremendously harmful thing to do. Mm -hmm. And when and when they are caught, not if, when they are caught, of course, I think the film in the film's universe, they're, they're probably not caught. When they are caught, that institution could be shut down. Those boys, and girls could find themselves off shoved off to other institutions and uh, uh if if that and and well who's going Homer to could perform, be tried with murder yeah who's going to provide the the reproductive care that is needed in that community yeah no. so uh, uh, it just occurred to me thinking about the significance of names we're talking about Homer, you know, and, and I'm thinking about the Odyssey um, and, and how Homer goes on a sort of Odyssey, mm -hmm. you know, where he, he goes out and he experiences the world in all of its joys and sorrows. He and, 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 and then makes his way home again. Yeah. Um... And, and his leaving of the hospital at the beginning, I think we, we in our pre in our conversation, we sort of thought of that as a kind of leaving Eden. Mm -hmm. um, and indeed, what does he do but goes off to pick apples? Apples. <laughs> of course, yeah. apples are not necessarily the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in scripture, but he goes off to pick apples to pick fruit, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that made me wonder about the story of Eden. And I think our, our colleague um, who, who did the Matrix episode with us. Um, mm -hmm. Michael it, Brown. Yeah, Michael, Reverend Brown put it this way. Um, that what if we were to look at Eden in a different way, in a different light? What if we were to see, and I don't see it this way, but let's, it, it's an interesting thought experiment of human beings were in the right in Eden. Because human beings where it, it is right that children go off at some point mm -hmm. and experience the world. It is right that children leave home. And there is 
the, the, the idea of a parent who resists that is, is very, very common in literature. Mm-hmm. So what if we often look at, 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 at Adam and Eve as the disobedient humans who did what they shouldn't have done, but what if they're just the children who want to leave home and God is the parent who has to learn to use process theology, which I also don't believe in, uh, <laughs> has to learn how to let them go as part of loving them. Of course, I don't think uh, Dr. Larch learns that lesson very well uh, if Dr. Larch is to be the God character. But then again, I also resist the idea of Dr. Larch as the God character because I think this film is a thoroughly atheistic film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would I would agree. Um. Though there is also some original sin in it, in the sense that uh, there's a conversation that Homer has with Dr. Larch after uh, they um, come across the, the the young girl who had the botched abortion, mm. and uh, they have a conversation about responsibility, and Homer has a an expectation that people can be responsible for themselves, and the doctor does not. People are not responsible. The doctor's views of human being of human beings in general are fairly dark, I think, mm-hmm. and fairly close to what we might call original sin. And uh, as a result, he looks at the world in a very, very dark and negative light, um, which is well. He has seen the brokenness mm-hmm. of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's seen the difficult circumstances, and Homer sees it in a much more naive wonder. Where with a much more naive wonder, he goes out to to experience this wondrous place. And and to be fair, he does experience it as a wondrous place. He he he, he does find friendship in um, the bomber pilot. And later, and this this here's some original sin too. Later, he finds uh, a, a certain kind of friendship in his in in in, in the bomber pilot's girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, more than just friendship. <laughs> more than friendship, yes. He sleeps with her uh, no. repeatedly and no. betrays him, who really, mm-hmm. I, I, and who really cared for 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 Homer at the, at the beginning of his having left the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so who you're... got him the job to be at the at the apple orchard and. Mm-hmm. And, and that le- leads me to ask the question of what do you think of Candy, the Homer's and the bomber pilot's girlfriend? You know, that it, the thing that I'm always noticing about her is her need and desire to sow fig leaves. Hmm. You know, in, in the sense that, like, she once once she has had her abortion... She hardly ever talks about it again, and unless it's to Rose Rose later on to say, hey, he helped me. He can help you, too. Um, she's also the one who is always, I have clothes for you, Rose. <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I, you know, I, I, I was trying to make sense of that. Is that kind of an elitist thing? Is that a, you know, is, is this... I part of what I see in her in her relationship with Rose is she's someone who's been there and so she's willing to reach out a hand to um 
to help her. Um, I still think she's also pretty naive about the world, you know. Um, and 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 to me, I guess <laughs> that was one thing that I I I thought about in just impressions as a whole of the movie is you know just how important it is to be able to have conversations around human sexuality and you know what is the process of giving birth because we don't talk about that enough you know it seems that the the phrase that's put into her into her mouth is wait and see right she 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 wants to wait and see Mm -hmm. um are we going to leave the bomber pilot for Homer. Let's wait and see. Um, we learn that the pilot's coming home after having been injured. Are, are, are we going to, you know, go back? Well, let's wait and see. And then finally, she makes her decision, and Homer says, "Well, at least we don't have to wait and see anymore." And I, th- I, I, I wonder if the film really um, suggests that her "let's wait and see" is a kind of cowardice. Mm-hmm. kind of in, inability sometimes to make sometimes a decision not uh, not to make a decision is to decide yes As and we talked about with into the woods well yes and 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 i think that to the the film would say that it is to homer's and to dr larch's credit that that what makes them moral quote unquote heroes if you want to call them that but you're right they're not is that they are the ones who make the decision Mm-hmm. They, 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 they realize that a decision has to be made and they make it mm-hmm. right. And to, to her credit, um, Candy does end up making a decision uh, for better and for worse. Uh, she decides to go back to the bomber pilot whose name is Wally, Wally Worthington. That's right. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think Homer, I guess I read Homer's statement, well, at least we don't have to wait and see anymore as a kind of well done mm-hmm. to her. But I wasn't, I, and th- I think this is probably latent sexism on my, on, on my part in much the same way as I, 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 I kind of found myself thinking of the characters of, uh, uh, in, in Pulp Fiction, the female characters in Pulp Fiction. I, I, wasn't, I was not particularly impressed with Candy's character. Not that, not that I have to be impressed. Not that she has, not that she has to impress me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I felt her to be very childish. Mm-hmm. And God forgive me if that's if I'm not seeing her. I career. mean, I there is def like I said, there's that naivete about the world, um, and yet, of course, she's experienced some of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I. It, it takes a level of maturity and um you know to say i'm going to care for this man who's now paralyzed true you know and and i wonder you know this is pretty glossed over but i thought about the irony of that where she's had an abortion and now he comes home paralyzed potentially not likely to be able to have a child then mm-hmm. you know do you i i wonder if there's a sense in which she may it, it doesn't the film doesn't say anything about this but it's just me wondering i wonder you know in retrospect would she regret making that decision then mm. would she wish that maybe she had kept that child yeah that's that's a good question for for you know it, and again i'm not making a judgment on that decision it's just a you wonder right 
Does um, yes, and I, I, what really got me was when she said, "I can't stand to be alone," mm. which is the reason why she has sex with Homer. Yeah, because she can't stand to be alone. She needs Homer. She, and that's and that is where I agree that she has a level of immaturity to her and naivete. You know that she is someone who just has to have someone. You know. Does the film suggest to you, Pastor Michelle, that 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 moral maturity is found in in choosing what doesn't necessarily make us happy as individuals? Because it seems to me that Homer chooses to go back to being a doctor, not because he particularly wants to be a doctor, but because he realizes that he can be of some use there. And 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 she chooses to go back to to Wally Worthington because she cares for him, even though it may not be what she wants. Yeah. I mean, I think that that I think that's definitely a read Um, where I struggle with that is that the logical extension is then is there ever a place to be okay with saying i'm going to make a decision for myself and what's best well exactly and that's that's, part of i mean that's the question (laughs) that's part of why i i wonder if that that, that's part of of why of why i wonder if one if if it's not a particularly good movie (laughs) and to be fair dear listener i I do think it's a good movie but if i wonder if 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 in fact it's it's moral the moral of the story the moral of movie is not one that's actually very good that Mm -hmm. you know because to me or perhaps it's one that needs to be held in tension with another moral uh which is that it is okay to make decisions for yourself it is okay to go off and find yourself to be of use as an apple picker. Right. It's, you don't have to be a doctor. Yeah. Well, and I guess if, if there's anything that I would say about this movie in terms of a moral, it is that ability to hold tension mm. between multiple perspectives, because it does on, on many issues, it provides a lot of perspectives on things. Well, you know, it never really addresses why, uh, for instance, Dr. Larch is a druggie, um, a drug addict. Uh, I really shouldn't say druggie, mea culpa. Um, but why why is he a drug addict? What is he self-medicating from? We often assume it's because he performs abortions. What is because he just doesn't want to be there? What is because he doesn't make, he, he never made the choice that Homer made? Mm-hmm. And what if Homer's choice to return to the orphanage was in fact not a happy ending? It's played off as a happy ending, but what if it's a, an oppressive ending? It's it's Homer's. Interesting. Yeah. You know, did did someone say to him, "You're a doctor"? Yes. And and yes, the world needs doctors. And yes, Homer can be of use as a doctor and care for people as a doctor, and that that's wonderful. And on the other hand, um part of being a human being is setting responsive setting boundaries and saying you know it's not about me i i don't have to be the one to solve the world's problems i can contribute but i don't have to be the one to solve the world's problems to say that i have to be the one to solve the world's problem that's just narcissism so so um the 
role of the ritual around if someone has left the orphanage, if they've been adopted, or if they have died? What did you make of that? I, I thought it was I thought it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that there were a number of rituals at the orphanage. I think that were quite beautiful, especially um, uh, and the one thing I think that is to to both Homer's and Dr. Larch's great credit is that they seemed to care very very deeply for those orphans, mm-hmm. and were very very kind to them in a time when well it's not a different time. This is still true when when orphanages were not good places where mm-hmm. you know, children did not find that kind of kindness. Yeah, they wouldn't be called kings of Maine, princes of... Yes. <laughs> or right. king, kings of New England, princes of Maine. Yes. Um, and yes, um, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased is is, is where your mind uh, was in, in our conversation when, 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 when you yeah. heard that. Good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. Good night, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Yeah. And and for them, how many times had they heard that or would they have heard that? You know, we all need to hear that, mm-hmm. I think. You know, we all need to know that we are loved. Absolutely. It, it I want to go back. I, we we kind of talked about this, but I want to go back to it again. You know, Michael Caine says he's caretaker of many, but father of none and yet he really does play a father role to homer and i would even argue to some extent to the other boys i wonder if that's uh uh dr larch's uh uh i'm not a doctor moment i'm not a father in Mm. spite of the fact that he really is (laughs) that's a fair point that's that is absolutely a fair point i would agree you know because he's um he he does very much act in that way and and it's he and Homer kind of tag team in that regard as well. Well, it, the, the, the one boy asks Homer, do you ever want to meet your, your parents, your biological parents? Mm-hmm. Homer's like, no, they're not my parents. Yeah. They, they, they never did the things that parents do. Dr. Larch does the things that parents do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a theme of what is family, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, Homer has a family in this orphanage. He finds one, I think, with the other workers at the at the apple orchard. The let's talk about the cider house rules. Yes, thank you. The very that that which was hid, hidden in plain sight. Oh yeah. gosh. So um, it, the the term the name comes from in the in the place where the workers could stay there was this list of rules. Now, most of the workers were not able to read, which we haven't really even talked about issues around race and class yet, Mm -hmm. which we could, but, you know, there's these rules. Most of them may read a little bit, but they have Homer read the rules. (laughs) And there's this place where, you know, don't smoke inside. People have smoked inside. Don't sit out on the roof. Well, the roof is the best place to have lunch, <laughs> you know, and, and eventually uh, the line that I love so much is those rules aren't for us. Those aren't our rules that we didn't create them. They were given by someone else. Yeah. Yeah. A very Marxist. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, um, we seize our own means of production. 
mm-hmm. and we, we 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 choose how to, to 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 do our own work and work according to our own strictures. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, it's interesting that the person who I think really frames the film in the sense of coming of age as rejecting law and taking upon oneself the spirit if you will uh uh is alfred rose or albert mm-hmm. rose the 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 rapist mm-hmm. so i wonder if that's part of his uh character's ambiguity yeah let's mm-hmm. i wonder if that's part of his character's ambiguity yeah well and then to me i also think about i am always a firm believer in the people who are impacted by the rules should be the ones to make the rules. And I think that is part of the conversation too, is that the rules are made by people who've never actually had to live out there. Which gets back to the issue of abortion. Mm -hmm. I think that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. There was that picture of a, committee that was having a conversation around abortion and how many men how many women were on that committee zero you know um so i I think that that yeah that's an important who's at the table who makes decisions who's impacted by the decisions um yes and um it's uh Oh, wow. Uh, and, and yet, the, so the other thing that's really interesting is Homer puts the rules back up when they're moving. Repeatedly. Yeah, when, when, when they come back after. So they, the, the way that it works is that some of the labor will travel to different places to help with different harvest seasons. And so they, they leave, Homer stays. When they come back, he puts the rules up again, which is just really interesting, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and and and, and I, it seems to me that he's uh, he's constantly trying to decide whether to um, uh, uh, subject himself to these rules or not, even though he doesn't take them seriously. And it's it's finally when he he chooses his own path, which oddly enough is the path to go back to uh, the hospital. So it's not his own path that you know he I think tears down the cider house rules, which and throws them in the furnace. Yeah. I also, uh, uh, what do you make of the furnace, the furnaces, the mini furnaces in the film? Yeah, I mean it's obviously there's there's this image of i hate if you believe there's the image of hell to some extent of like flames and fiery furnace and yet there's also you know we this these are things that we're discarding and letting go of and leaving behind Um, well the 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 people that there are two um there's the furnaces, but there's also the graveyards or the, the, the graveyard scenes. Like whenever anyone dies, you see Dr. Larch putting up a, a gravestone, but whenever uh, a fetus is aborted, it is put into the furnace, discarded. And regardless of what I may feel about abortion, that strikes me as 
a little wrong. Yeah, I I would think a burial would still be appropriate. You know, although to be fair, many make the choice to be cremated now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. Well, we had a conversation. Um, is it better to be alive versus to be alive at all versus is it how did you put it because they um homer was having a conversation with uh um the other one whom they were kind of training up as as the protege probably wasn't wasn't going to be adopted and they were they they came to the converse they came to to a conversation on abortion and um uh homer who really i think resists the idea of abortion throughout the course of the film although he ends up performing one um is uh um says something about how would you rather be in the incinerator Mm, that's right uh, yeah yeah it's almost as if um the child that homer is speaking to takes up the kind of um the position that not all life is worth living and homer takes on the position that well it's it's better to be alive at all and uh, uh, you asked, I think, in our conversation, like, uh, is it better to just be alive or is it better to, to, to have a life worth living? And, and I, I wonder if part of my reflection is, and at the risk of coming down on the side of uh, being pro-life or anti-abortion, um, I, I wonder if the only person that you can ask about that uh, would be the people who get born <laughs> and the people who are incinerated <laughs> mm-hmm. that uh, at the end of the day it's it's I, I don't believe that all life is, is is inherently worth living but I would say that it's up to the individual person to choose to see their life as worth living and I would also say that um, it's uh, uh, not for us to decide for them that their life isn't worth living and therefore to terminate it mm-hmm. so or, oh, and that's where all of this gets so complicated mm-hmm. because that is that is kind of one side of the argument that you know who speaks for this child this fetus a child you know whatever however you language you know who um who determines what life is worth living or not um and, and there's the sense of humans aren't supposed to play God, making the decision over life and death. Yeah, Dr. Larch very, very clearly, I think, embraces playing. In fact, I think he says so. Mm-hmm. He, he says uh, something, yes, I'm playing God. Of course, I'm playing God. Someone has to or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone has to decide. Someone has to make the choice. If no one else will, I will. Mm-hmm. Um it's 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 interesting the film is complicated it doesn't um i i I, we said at the beginning of the conversation that it's a pro-choice film i'm not sure that it is i don't i i don't think it's entirely anti-choice but it does i think give voice in the character of homer uh at least the homer prior to to performing the abortion on 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 rose uh it does give voice to 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 the pro-life argument and not in a caricatured way Mm -hmm. which i which i have to respect yes because sometimes it's easy that either side gets kind of reduced to its extreme you know it it's made 
it's made out more than it is you know whereas here I, I like i said i do like that there's some some nuance where it none of it's really entirely black and white and clear you know so if you're preaching a sermon on this film what would the takeaway be for the congregation <laughs> oh gosh i i think it would be just that that you know life is not always a simple decision that um you know we you might even talk about like the ten commandments do we receive those like a, a set of cider house rules given to us but don't really treat them like ours how do we how do we make them what what does law and grace look like together um you know because usually when you look at rules rules often are there for a reason sometimes they're arbitrary but there are you know not smoking inside is probably not a bad thing you know being up on the roof might be a safety issue you know so to some extent there there is a necessity for rules and boundaries and regulations and also the importance and the justice of those imp being impacted by those needing to be part of the conversation I think, yeah, and I, I think I might talk a little bit about an issue that we, we might have spent a little bit more time on, uh, and that is the uh, tension in scripture between law and grace mm -hmm. and law and spirit. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when I, when, when, when I, I, I hear um, uh, Arthur Rose's rejection of the Cider House rules, um, as being a rejection of law in the, the same way I think that 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 St. Paul rejects law, um, not rejection of the Torah per se, but rejection of legalism mm -hmm. and really yeah. uh, re uh, claiming and, and here's the spirit that claiming that uh, um, rules have to be owned by the people whom, who, who are most affected by them. You know, th these rules were made by not us, so therefore they are irrelevant. We make our rules. That's why when I have a confirmation class, I don't often just sit down and here's your rules for the class. I say, okay, let's create a covenant together about how we're going to interact. And I may have some suggestions, but ultimately we do it together so that it's not just about me handing it down so michelle what's next well our next movie is going to be the thin red line a 1997 war movie which i have not seen so i'm looking forward to checking it out this one's my pick actually i uh, uh um cider house rules was your pick and then we'll do we do mine and then gail's and then uh, uh wesley's um, and yeah, the, this is my absolute favorite film, The Thin Red Line. Uh, if I had a favorite movie, period, it would be this one. And um, it's uh, Terrence Malick. Uh, it's an absolute masterpiece, and we'll, we'll get into it uh, as to why. So. so we thank you for joining us today on A Pastor and a Priest Walk into a Movie Theater, which is a production of the New Faith New Media Company. And 
Um, we invite you to support us by checking out all of our other shows, including Faith in What Resonates by Gail Gallagher, who also did our music for today's episode. We also want to thank our editor, Wesley Morrison Sloat, who makes us sound far more intelligent than I think I come off, <laughs> speaking for myself. Um, we are so thankful that you connect with us and that you engage in these conversations. We invite you to like, comment, share, let all of your friends know about this podcast and get the word out there as we really try and engage in theology in a way that we build community together through quite a bit of nerdery as well. And so um, we thank you for all the ways that you support us through our Patreon, through sharing, liking, subscribing, and um, just for all the support that you give. We thank you and we will see you again soon. Oh. We would like to thank the following people for participating in our Indiegogo campaign. Al Cole, Gail Gallagher, CJ Tour, Katie Oberly, Susan Lavelle, Richard Bell, Lori Morrison, Cameron Hood, Lindsey Brown, and Sue Burke, as well as all of our donors who wish to remain anonymous. The New Faith New Media community is growing faster and stronger than we had ever dreamed it would, and we are looking forward to finding out what we can accomplish together.